On this episode of Cinema Smorgasbord Presents, we do our own stunts. We finally get to Jackie Chan's big break when director Lo Wei tries to create a new Bruce Lee with a follow-up to his legendary Fist of Fury. It's 1976's New Fist of Fury. Welcome to We Do Our Own Stunts, a podcast about the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me as always is the world's deadliest man, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? You know, I'm just not feeling fully deadly. I think I'm just like kind of deadly right now. Do you think it's the effects of the lingering pandemic that have have (laughs) dulled some of your deadly senses? Uh, Sure, that sounds right. I mean, you just need an excuse, I suppose. Liam... Up to this point on We Do Our Own Stunts, you have felt conflicted about the idea of even doing this show. Uh, All your enthusiasm that was there at the beginning, it slowly whittled away as we have watched now, I think, uh, three not-so-great Jackie Chan movies. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't mean that as a mark against Jack Chan and his legacy, (laughs) but you know, the work of covering that legacy has taken at least four episodes to get interesting. It's actually, it, it should have taken even longer than this. I could right. sense... We, we skipped some stuff. Well, th- we didn't skip anything essential, certainly. And I don't think anyone listening to this would feel that we have. There's been other films where Jackie Chan has appeared in them uh, just for a scene or two or has done stunt coordination. But we want to talk about films that feature Jackie Chan. The ones that we have talked about up to this point, I think they were necessary for context. We talked about uh, uh, Tiger from Canton, which was his actual first starring role. And then we talked about two movies that feature Jackie Chan in some capacity, but not to a great extent, but showed that where he was in his career at this point and where he was in his life up to the point where uh, the movie we're going to talk about today, New Fist of Fury, occurred. I think that's really important to, to kind of trace when you know how he went from the Peking Opera School, how he tried to break into films, how he was a stuntman. We've talked about all that up to this point, but today we're finally getting into the point where basically it's a line. And here from forward, we're going to be talking about kung fu movies for the most part. And we're eventually going to get to the good ones, though. <laughs> It'll take a little while before we get into his kind of international breakthrough, but... Jackie Chan, superstar, I think a lot of people see the beginning points of that, even if it was a failed beginning, as New Fist of Fury, which is what we're going to talk about on this show, Liam. And that's got to make you excited. It's like, soon we're going to be there. Soon we got Drunken Master and Project A and all of that great stuff, Liam. It's way out there in the distance, but we're headed in the right direction. Look, I know all of this was just a psyop to torture me. (laughs) <laughs> you only chose these movies to make it hard on me. And you could sense that since we are a podcast with 20 different subjects, I was going to start rebelling and have us only do Carol Kane into the future. So <laughs> this is the only way you gave me a little bit of a little bit of uh, chum to keep me hunting. But I don't know. I don't know if, what's going to happen after this. You'll probably make me talk about the album next or something. We were going to do a whole episode about Jackie Chan's first album, and we eventually are still going to talk about his music career. But uh, I wanted to give Liam a bit of a break. We Once we get into the meat of Jackie Chan's career, then we can take some tangents. But as of right now, it's important to get to the things that people actually want to hear about. And one of those, I think, is New Fist of Fury, Liam, because I think this movie you might disagree with this i think that this movie has been greatly misrepresented both by the kind of general critical public and by jackie chan himself and i think it's very uh there's a specific reason why that's the case because it if you watch the movie in the context of when it came out and what it's supposed to be it doesn't fit the clean narrative story that uh that is generally considered the the path that Jackie Chan took the start of. I think that's fair. I think um, I think also just there is such a phenomena of people trying to replace – when Bruce Lee died, mm-hmm. not only did it create a cultural hole where people felt like this was their big crossover star and suddenly he's gone under – admittedly mysterious circumstances at a time when you couldn't just go on the internet and find, you know what I mean? Information was already hard to come by. So Mm -hmm. the, you know, the legend, but then also there was such a flood and explosion Mm -hmm. of 
bloodthirsty fucking exploitation trying to replace him and sometimes in great ways like i think there are some uh there's some of these ripoff artists who actually made pretty good movies but a lot of this these movies were garbage and so i think um i think looking back on this movie as jackie chan being trying you know someone trying to shove jackie chan that square peg into a round hole uh I think that leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though whether that's actually what was happening here, I think is something that we're going to talk about uh, when we get into the meat of New Fist of Fury. You know, I just recently was watching some of the special features on the Criterion collection of Bruce Lee movies, and Grady Hendrix does a really great kind of summary of Bruce Plotation movies. And he compared it to like there is no analog to the Bruce Lee death and the glut of imitators afterwards, but it would be like if Marlon Brando died and then suddenly there were sequels and remakes of his movies with a guy with a really similar name who looked somewhat similar in them, right? It's impossible to even imagine, but Bruce Lee, because he wasn't just an actor, he was a cultural figure. And also, like you said, there wasn't an internet, information spread slowly, so people didn't know what Bruce Lee movies were out there. Enter the Dragon was such a big hit in the West, and then it's like, okay, well, there's also the Chinese connection. There's also the big boss. And it's just like, well, how many more could there be? And then uh, I guess it all came of like a re-edited footage from the Green Hornet was released, and that was a huge hit. And then the the basically all bets were off. But we're not really here to talk about Bruce Bloitation. But I do want to talk about, before we take our break and we talk about specifically New Fist of Fury, I want to talk a little bit about Bruce Lee and the original Fist of Fury, Liam O'Donnell. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, I think you, you just have recently watched Fist of Fury for the first time. I have. And- I, I, I do want to point out, like many people, I bet, I've watched The Big Boss many times. <laughs> I've seen Fist of Fury more than I've seen any other Bruce Lee movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm more intimately familiar with it. And to be honest, I've also watched Fist of Fury two and three, the uh, the Bruce Ploitation, I guess, versions, uh, where it's Bruce, I guess it's still pronounced Bruce Lee, but it's Bruce L.I. He stars in Fist of Fury two and three, also brings back a lot of the actors from the original, and are, I guess, quote-unquote, official sequels. I like both of those movies quite a bit. Quentin Tarantino says he likes Fist of Fury two more than he likes the original Fist of Fury, but that's a very Quentin Tarantino thing to say. You did this in a strange order, Liam. You watched New Fist of Fury... Right. And then you went back and watched the original Fist of Fury. Now, one thing I want to make very clear, and this is something that I was confused about because I had not watched New Fist of Fury before. New Fist of Fury is not a remake of Fist of Fury. It is a direct sequel. The beginning of New Fist of Fury takes place immediately after the events of Fist of Fury. So, you know, Jackie Chan is not playing Chen Zhen. He is not playing the Bruce Lee character. The plot is basically following the, the school that Bruce Lee... Uh, went to that his master uh, died at uh, at the beginning of Fist of Fury. It continues that story. Anyway, we'll talk about that afterwards. But but Liam, having watched kind of the structure of these two movies and knowing that they're directed by the same person, <laughs> I, I just want to cut you to give kind of a summary of your feelings. How much better is Fist of Fury than New Fist of Fury? For my taste, it is. Very much better. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I think that's a general consensus. Um, I, I, I specifically, I want you to talk about the Chen Zhen character, right? Because Bruce Lee, he arrives at the beginning of that movie mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. you know goes right to the funeral of his master, and he basically has kind of two scenes of holding back his visible anger while the Japanese are are just on the verge of spitting in his face, and then what? Twenty minutes in. We get the dojo scene, and from that point forward, he's just like, he is unbeatable. No one can touch him. There's never even a hint that he could lose to anyone in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I so the, I, don't get me wrong. I love the structure of the guy who thinks he's too big for his own britches, gets his <laughs> ass whooped, and then has to go out into the woods and learn some new technique. Like, that is sort of the the caricature structure of these movies, you know? Absolutely. Oh, I had to learn the Eagle technique so I could beat this scary man with a long L- Liam, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a general consensus either, but I always think of like the three plots. The one is the guy starts, knows no Kung Fu, gets beat up or wants to have skills. And then he goes and goes through a learning process, like in the 36 Chamber of Shaolin. 
And then there's the one in a lot of Golden Harvest movies where they already know some kung fu, but then they encounter like a kung fu master who beats the hell out of them. So then they have to train more and eventually get the skill or a certain special skill. Yeah, to, learn some to, new. There's got to be an insight. There's always an insight. Exactly. But and that's the one you were just referring to. And then there's a third version, which is kind of the Bruce Lee one, where the guy is already unbeatable from the beginning, and it's only sheer numbers or cheating that's going to stop him. I would say there's also the the uh, the uh, the um, insight in weapons as well. It's like mm. the gimmick. Like it's there's there's a certain kind of martial arts movie that feels very much like pro wrestling, in that it's right. like here's a new guy with a new outfit and a new weird weapon. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I and I I I actually very much enjoy those movies. Though I think sure. when it comes to the writing, they're usually the worst written. Um, you know, I, so. I think the best sort of martial arts movies, the martial arts are part of the plot. You know, they move right. the story forward, character development, they're visually engaging, but they, they're part of how we learn about these characters and the narrative moves forward. However, the movies for which that is not the case, if the martial arts is cool enough, I don't care. <laughs> I just think, oh, that was cool. Like, I there are no characters in this movie, but that was pretty cool. And I'm okay with that because I... As we've discussed too much on this podcast, my first exposure to a lot of martial arts was the horribly dubbed, horribly edited, you know, Sunday afternoon John. Sure. And the best of those were just the ones that went over the top that had some crazy thing in them. Um, and so going back to this, you know, that first Fist of Fury, the the thing that feels new and fresh to me as a, someone watching it for the first time is that he is unbeatable. And that Bruce Lee's style is so different than what you're looking at. Like, he is so much more about an economy of movement, which was, mm -hmm. you know, which was, in theory, what people didn't like about him, right? That he was like, right. all that other stuff you're doing is stupid. Just hit the guy. You know what I mean? Like, that was sort of his uh, iconoclast plastic nature you know um and it works in this movie and it feels fresh and i could see especially then in the 70s when it came out it probably blew people's minds hence his mega stardom um with this new fist of fury there's an attempt it feels like to me to have a lot more plot it it, it really wants to become more of an epic than it does you know fist of fury is like you you get the gist guys the Japanese are here. They're being mean. They're going to shut this thing down. My man is just too tough to care. He's just going to beat everybody up. That's really the whole movie. Right. And then with the Jackie Chan movie, my man is like a loser. He's a street yeah. thief. He has no abilities. And he slowly has to gain both concern for nation and anger at the Japanese because that's part of the plot of the movie. And he also has to learn skills and then he has to like use those skills while all this stuff is going on around them. It's a much more intricate plot, but that complicated plot does not translate to a moving story per se. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's much less entertaining. Now, again, we have seen that story of the person, you know, learning skills through Kung Fu and, Eventually, you know, uh, it basically becomes symbolic of them growing as a person as they're doing it. But that's not the story of the original Fist of Fury. Nope. So the idea that people, I think, in the general consciousness think of this, uh, think of New Fist of Fury as a remake or an attempt to mold Jackie Chan in the Bruce Lee form, I don't think that's accurate. Because Bruce Lee, at the beginning of this movie, is already unstoppable. And 20 minutes in, he's literally taking on dozens of people and beating them all by himself. Jackie Chan loses in almost every fight that he's a part of in New Fist of Fury. Well, and doesn't. Can I put something out there, though, Doug? Yeah. So, famously, and I knew about this before I saw the movie, and I was not surprised to read about it in uh, the Jackie Chan stuff that we read in preparation for this uh, episode. Mm -hmm. um, the director of Fist of Fury and Bruce Lee did not get along. And no, in fact, not at all. supposedly he threatened him, him with a knife. Uh, and when, when Bruce Lee heard that news, he says, I wouldn't need a knife. I could kill him with two fingers. So whatever. <laughs> the point is, they did not get along. Um, if if Now, the details of that seem to be obscured, at least to us, but probably to a lot of people. If I were to find out that the details of that were, the director wanted there to be an arc to this character, and Bruce Lee rejected that idea, <laughs> I would not be surprised. There's a moment where he is being scolded 
that if the rest of the movie were different would be an important character moment. It's when he's deciding like, okay, you know, I've really put my friends and family in danger here. Maybe there's a smarter way at least for me to do what I want to do. Only um, with the way the movie resolves itself, that entire scene was a waste of time because he just kept doing the same stuff. Nothing changes for him. He gets scolded. He looks very sad for what he's done. <laughs> and then he continues to do that over and over again in, in more and more goofy, funny ways, actually, with silly costumes and everything, and has learned nothing. And if if I were told, well, that's because the director wanted there to be more character development and Bruce Lee rejected that, I would believe that idea because what we get is just the immortal Bruce Lee punishing all of shanghai instead of uh you know a guy who's learned something along the way it's a little hard to parse so you're exactly right low way the director of fist of fury and the director of new fist of fury did not get along with bruce lee and he did not get along with jackie chan though he made a few more movies after uh new fist of fury because uh, with jackie chan because jackie chan was signed to a contract with him um there's been, in some of the things I read, which were a little more sympathetic to Lo Wei, the idea was he had been making movies for years and years as an actor and as a director, was used to larger budgets and was used to a lot of control. And here you have this person who has come from Hollywood and basically wants to tell him exactly what he, how the movie should be. And they're, they're butting heads over, um, over the control aspect of things. And Lo Wei didn't want to give up control. And maybe what makes Fist of Fury so good is that tension. Right, but if that is the case, then trying to recreate that tension with New Fist of Fury, it did not work, neither for box office nor for the quality of the movie. Though that isn't to say that New Fist of Fury is worthless or anything like that, as sure. we will talk about in just a little bit. Before we take our break, Liam, I want to talk just briefly about where Jackie Chan was when he ended up getting the job of starring or semi-starring in New Fist of Fury. He was living in Australia. He had basically given up on his acting career. At least this is the kind of uh, story that he tells in both of his autobiographies. The interesting thing is to read this portion of his life in both of his autobiographies and see the differences between the two. There's some pretty stark differences in how he remembers things. Uh, And so it makes you think that maybe you can only take this with a certain grain of salt. But the idea is he was in Australia working in restaurants. Uh, and he got the call from his manager that's and said, look, do you want to be in this movie? You'll make almost no money. Uh, but it's your last, basically your last real chance to become a star. And his parents, who had stepped in his way uh, to kind of to pursue this dream, they said, okay, you can do this. But when you hit 22 years old, if you have not made it, then you're done. You're coming back to Australia and you're going to, you know, find a different career. So this is where he was. This is, according to him, his only opportunity, his last opportunity to become a martial arts star. So that's where we're coming from in regards to Jackie's position. He was kind of a neophyte, right? People are just telling him what to do at this point. The other interesting thing that I think we should know before we talk about the movie is that he gets to the set, and again, this is a much lower budget production even than the first Fist of Fury, and the choreographer has quit. So then... (laughs) He says, well, I've done fight choreography for movies already. And they're like, okay, you can do it for this. And he actually got paid like significantly more as a fight choreographer than he did as an actor in this movie. Um, Again, this is all kind of the stated story of what happened. That extends to the fact that he thought he did not do a good job acting in this. But the main thing to take away from all of this, and he says this in both of his autobiographies, is that they wanted him to be the new Bruce Lee, which again, that is true in the sense that they were looking for a new martial arts superstar and he was kind of tapped by um, by the director here to be that. But is he trying to be Bruce Lee in New Fist of Fury? That's what we're going to talk about. So any thoughts about that, Liam, before we take our first break? I mean, I don't want to show my full hand, but I think uh, he is not necessarily, I think, <laughs> trying to be the new Bruce Lee. However, he's not yet fully Jackie Chan either. And That's, in fact, that, I think, is a good point. And the few places where we see Jackie Chan come through... I think we actually see the influence of Bruce Lee because one of the things about Fist of Fury that's interesting to me is that Bruce Lee is fucking funny in it. Yes. And that is not what we remember Bruce Lee for being. Mm -hmm. We remember him for being a badass, an invincible badass that you suspect 
was actually beating the shit out of those people. When you watch uh, uh, at least the Bruce Lee movies I've seen, I, the whole time I'm thinking, he's got to be hurting that guy. Like, that guy's actually hurt now. <laughs> like, he hurt that guy. And I don't think, oh, he's going to dress like an old man or he's going to dress like a, a, a phone repair guy and it's going to be a real goofball scene, you know? Um, and so my poor reading of martial arts film history has always been that what Jackie Chan brought to the table was humor and that that was like his style of humor was like a new thing and and I would suggest that in this film though his humor is different than Bruce Lee's the humor was already there and I wonder how much the humor of Bruce Lee influenced him in further into his career I think Jackie Chan's big um, switch in regards to that was incorporating some of that humor into the actual fighting, uh, uh-huh. and there's even a little hints of that. That's in what I'm saying. There's movie. parts yeah. of that here, man. It was mm-hmm. it was a big surprise because the story he tells that I've heard him tell over like 20 different interviews is that that didn't come till later. But I would say if I was interviewing him, bullshit. There are things you do that are funny in New Fist of Fury. The one last thing I want to say, which is that when I say that Jackie has repeatedly stated that they wanted him to be like Bruce Lee, he talks about kind of they wanted him to be serious and intense. And, you know, the the, the story is eventually he'll make Snake and the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master, and that's where he's finally allowed to be funny and, you know, incorporate that into it. But really the performance here is not that serious and intense. He's playing this kind of lovable thief who literally half the movie, he's just rejecting the idea of even doing any Kung Fu. And it isn't until the last half hour that he really breaks out and shows any Kung Fu skill. But it's a, it, it is, the structure is not what I was expecting. The character is not what I was expecting at all. Let's talk a little bit more about the movie and give a little more context after we take our first break. When we come back, new Fist of Fury. Ah! A young man sets out to avenge his grandfather's death and prove his martial arts mastery. That is not really the plot of New Fist of Fury from 1976. It's closer to the plot of New Fist of Fury from 1980, and we'll talk about how those are two different things in just a few moments. This movie was released, the original version, on July 8th, 1976 in Hong Kong. It's known as Fists to Fight in Australia, Liam. What do you think about that title? Hate it. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. It's hard to say, and it's kind of confusing. Uh, directed, of course, by Lo Wei, who directed the original Fist of Fury and The Big Boss, the, the two uh, Bruce Lee films, as well as the kung fu movie Yellow-Faced Tiger. He had a long career, uh, both as a director and actor. Uh, Liam, I don't know if you're already aware of this, but Lo Wei, of course, played the detective in Fist of Fury, which is he also shows up at the beginning of New Fist of Fury. Okay, all right. You know, the big cigar? Yeah, 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 totally. Apparently, he also enjoyed smoking big cigars in real life. Uh, written, of course, by Lo Wei as well, starring Jackie Chan, maybe, as uh, Cheng Long. Uh, also starring Nora Miao, uh, who was the love interest of Bruce Lee in the original film. And uh, guess what she does now in, in the world, Liam? What? She lives in Toronto and does radio. That's actually pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. She actually had a uh, like a morning chat show for uh, years and years. I don't know if she still does, but yeah. Uh, and and uh, I guess the some of the other cast, uh, a few of the other cast who uh, worked in the uh, martial arts school, they're also there with uh, with Miss Lee's character, Norm Yao's character in this. But uh, none of them are, are really of of substantial note. But who is of note is Chan Sing, who plays Akamura, the Japanese boss in this movie. And I actually, this might be controversial, I actually think that he's really a lot of fun in this, and kind of a better performance than the Japanese character in the original Fist of Fury. Do you have any thoughts on that, Lee? Yeah, I mean, the uh, the original Japanese uh, character, like, or at least the head Japanese guy in Fist of Fury, is bad. He's bad. <laughs> so I guess that's your thoughts. Do you have any, He's got a uh, fun mustache. His mustache is yes. fun. But otherwise, you're just like, this guy is not there to be good. He's there to look silly. 
That's like his no. role is just to look silly. So that, this is something we're going to talk about in just a moment, how the Japanese are presented in both of these movies. That's kind of a serious topic. But before we get to that, New Fist of Fury, actually, I'm just going to make the point uh, right up front that there are two versions of New Fist of Fury. There's a 1976 version, the version that came out initially, and then after Jackie Chan became a big star, just like in some of the other movies that we've talked about and we'll talk about again in the future, they re-edited it, uh, took 40 minutes out of the movie, including most of the stuff around the Kung Fu school and them trying to rebuild it, and they released it as what people, I think, think of New Fist of Fury as. If you go on Tubi or if you go on Amazon Prime, the version that you're likely to find on it is the 1980 re-edited version. We watched the 1976 version. Liam, what did you think of it? Um, (laughs) I think it's... Okay. I think it's pretty good. I think it is a little too long. Like, I... You know, you sent... we, We had access to the re-edited version and the original yes i was stoked to watch both actually but that edited version the copy that we were able to find was this zoomed in pan and scan just grainy looking thing whereas the the version of the original was you know widescreen pretty good quality not too rough so i didn't i didn't make it through the the re-edit at all however i was interested in the re-edit because I would say the original is probably about 40 minutes too long. (laughs) It it takes a good 35 minutes for anything interesting to happen. I think so. I do think if you saw this movie right after the original Fist of Fury and for some reason were just stoked, like, I need to know what happens to these characters. Exactly. The fact that they show up so early could be exciting like oh wow they're here you know what's going to happen with them they're they're hiding from the japanese and all this stuff i get that i 100 percent get that that could be the case however that was not the case for me and in fact knowing that in some sense jackie chan is meant to be a star in this movie he isn't though like a lot of characters have a lot going on until like halfway through the movie <laughs> yeah um and and not all of that is engaging it's not bad but it's not entirely entertaining all the time that being said once things start to get going midway through the film it does pick up the pace things get a little exciting and i thought some of the last fight stuff was pretty good um part of my issue though is my experience of jackie chan has always been even if the script is not my favorite his fighting carries it through and this just is not there yet his fighting and and the other martial arts scenes of the film are good, but it's not yet at the point where he's carrying something on his back. Like I've watched other Jackie Chan movies where I thought the movie generally was not great, but just seeing him do stuff was so exhilarating that it didn't matter. Like it, of course, it, literally the rest of the movie could just not be there, and I'll just watch him do stuff. And we're not even close to that yet. And even some of Jackie Chan's lesser movies in the late 90s, you know, there'll be moments of brilliance that, you know, it makes you forget some of maybe the plot elements that that you don't care as much about. You're right. Even though he is doing choreography here, this is not the kind of fight scenes, for the most part, that we expect out of Jackie Chan, which is to be expected. No one thinks of the fight scenes in New Fist of Fury as being particularly great. I'd argue that actually some of them are quite good, just like you said, particularly the last one. And there's a sequence where Jackie Chan is surrounded by other students of the Kung Fu school and he's beating up all of them. And that is as close to on this podcast as we've gotten to real classic Jackie Chan fighting as we've seen so far. Um, What's kind of notable. So I did go and watch through the 1980 version. This isn't like when we talked about um, the re-edit of uh, Cub Tiger from Canton, because this is very much just the movie from 1976, except they've cut a bunch of stuff out. So instead of the movie that we watched, which starts with the students from the school leaving Shanghai and they go to Taiwan and there's a lot of discussion between them. And then they introduce Jackie Chan's character in the 1980 version. It starts with Jackie Chan's character. We don't see any of the school people and it is not presented as a, you know, immediate follow up to the original Fist of Fury. That situation that you described, Liam, is my situation. I watched Fist of Fury Then I watched New Fist of Fury right afterwards, so it kind of felt like, oh, it's just more with these characters, and that is actually kind of neat. Oddly enough, the 
other, the Fist of Fury 2 with Bruce L.I. and Fist of Fury 3, those are also presented as immediate follow-ups to the original Fist of Fury. So this is like different universes and different continuity that's kind of uh, going off. So it's really odd. It's really, really strange because Nora Meow is the star of this movie. She has way more screen time than Jackie Chan. Her, you know, getting together with her grandfather, who already has sort of a school set up in Japanese-occupied Taiwan, and then her uh, grandfather dying in a very kind of odd way, her deciding to start a school, the Japanese trying to kind of snuff her out, and then there's actually Chinese collaborators, and even including one who runs a local school, Um, and, and eventually, at the very end of the movie, after Jackie Chan's character, who was a thief, had no interest in martial arts, he becomes a revolutionary. He sees that the Japanese, uh, or actually one of the other schools, but basically the Japanese, have broken the sign. Again, a sign being broken, very obvious uh, reference to the original film. He, you know, glues the sign back together, carries it in the street, walks to the, to the Kung Fu school and says, I'm going to become a member here. That is a star moment for Jackie Chan. And it comes like an hour and 15 minutes into this movie, almost a full movie length before anything happens. And then we eventually, uh, you know, he learns Kung Fu. The final scene is the Japanese boss. He gets all the martial arts schools together and he says, you're either, you know, basically uh, go under the banner of my school or die. And then the school, Normia school, they fight with the Japanese guy. And, and I mean, I'm just going to give it away because it is so unusual. Jackie Chan finally becomes the replacement, I guess, for Chen Zhen, in that people actually reference him. Uh, you know, they reference Bruce Lee's character in response to him. They say they see him in him. He becomes like that. He triumphs in this fight. And then the entire, all, everyone who survives gets gunned down outside, just like Bruce Lee gets gunned down at the end of Fist of Fury. It's so strange. I mean, I get why they have the ending like that. They want to parallel the originals. But it's it's very much like watching a superhero origin story and Superman, you know, not Superman, Spider-Man finally learns he, uh, what great power and great responsibility means. And then as soon as he does, he gets like shot and killed. And we never see him actually get to do anything. It, it's so clear to me that that ending is meant to recreate. Like, there is a continuation of that superhero, Doug. Sure. But the superhero is not Chen Zen. Chen Zen? Is that his name? Chen Zhen from, yeah, from yeah. Uh, Bruce Lee's character from Fist of Fury. Yeah, that's not the superhero. The superhero is Bruce Lee. And what you are witnessing is Jackie Chan in getting shot, <laughs> fully <laughs> stepping into the shoes of Bruce Lee. Like, that's what the this this whole movie, and, and honestly, after reading some of what at least Jackie Chan's story about the movie is, in, to what extent is this the director just being like, look, I did it again. You know, yeah. remember remember what I did with that Bruce Lee guy? Yeah, I just did it again. New guy, I just did it. It's fine. And and you know, as a viewer, you can say cl- cl- clearly not, sir. I'm sorry, but the, you have not recreated the magic of the first film. But the it feels to me like he is the point of that ending is only to say like I did it. I did it again. It's a high. Yeah. It's a self high five. But it's it, like the way that they go about building a star in this is so distinct from how it's done in Fist of Fury, where, I mean, Bruce Lee is Chinese Superman, right, in Fist of Fury. He is unbeatable, beats up 30 guys by himself 20 minutes into the movie, uh, and, and already is the best. You know, He is, to use the wrestling uh, comparison, he's Bill Goldberg. He's in there, he beats everybody, He and people love it. They just want to see him tear through everybody. But here, Jackie Chan is... I mean, I don't know if there isn't an analog for getting over in the kind of story that we're getting here, starting from the bottom and kind of remaining in the bottom. And then at the last minute deciding, you know what, I'm going to do what it takes and I'm going to show the guts to become a man. And then then he'll be. And even in that final scene where where uh, the schools are, are, are being challenged by the Japanese, he still waits till the last second to jump into the fight. Like you're just watching. It's like. Yeah, Jackie Chan's character. He's the guy who's going to like fight. What's taking him so long? Basically, his entire school has to get beat up first before he decides like he's going to join in. Well, I think uh, I think you're missing one important thing here, Doug. Please. In this film, there is a retconning of the original film. In, okay. In that Bruce Lee in the original film is just the toughest, right? Right. And he does not learn a special technique. Fists of Fury 
is a description just of his fury as he beats the crap out of oh, every Japanese I, person yes, he can find. That is, this is, this is but in true. this movie, and I think this is an intentional choice by the director to literally say fuck you to Bruce Lee, <laughs> his fists of fury are boiled down to a technique that Jackie Chan could just practice, and once he learns it, then he can fight Japanese people. And that is, to me, the most ridiculous part of the film. It's not just that he is the man without kung fu who then learns kung fu. He's also <laughs> the one who learns the special technique, which is just angry fist, where you hit people harder because you're angry. And it's so disrespectful and so unnecessary. And really, um, if it wasn't, if if that part, if it was a different director, you'd think, oh, you didn't understand the film that you are making a sequel to. <laughs> but because you know it's the original guy, there's some suggestion to me of, Look, it's just a technique. Bruce Lee could do it. Jackie Chan could do it. Tom Tom down the street can do it. It doesn't fucking matter. I could have paid anybody $300 a month <laughs> to learn this fucking thing, okay? Because I'm the director. So for, for those who might not know explicitly what Liam is referring to, there is a part in the original Fist of Fury where Bruce Lee moves his hands around and it kind of fades into his hands moving around. It's kind of a famous moment. And that is not referred to in any explicit way in Fist of Fury as, quote-unquote, the Fist of Fury. But in this movie, in New Fist of Fury, Jackie Chan learns to do that from a book that apparently was written by Chen Chen. So he could check, like, a guide, a kung fu guide, and he learns how to do that. And you're exactly right. That's how he's able to battle both against uh, the Japanese master played by Chan, Chan Sing and his daughter, who is like this samurai warrior. Honestly, she's the, per- the person that I came out of this movie most impressed with simply because I wasn't expecting kind of a, a strong female character outside of Nora Miao's character. She's uh, so- she's stronger in a lot of ways. Like she absolutely she shows that she's much tougher and, you know, really upsets everyone's expectations. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of, you know, it's kind of an interesting direction to go in. But it also is kind of a clear example. Like, there are so many characters that are shown to be more interesting and engaging and, like, that you want to see more of in this movie than Jackie Chan's character, who, you know, for the most part is extremely passive. His defining element in this movie, outside of being a thief, is that he hates the Japanese. He despises them. And that's something, actually, maybe we should talk about now. So, notoriously... Fist of Fury carries a lot of anti-Japanese sentiment. Much of the Japanese characters, because it is, again, uh, Japan-occupied Shanghai that that movie takes place in. And there's the famous scene with the uh, the sign that says, no dogs are Chinese allowed. And the sign that the Japanese school brings to Bruce Lee's school that set, calls him the sick man of Asia. These are, you know, the part of the appeal of that movie is the nationalism and, you know, the anti-Japanese aspect of it. They fucking double down on that in New Fist of Fury. It's it's like intense. Basically, every line is some sort of slur against the Japanese people in it. Now, Liam, I don't think it's fair for us to come at this with any judgment necessarily, but it must have stuck out to you watching these two movies. Did you see it as being harder? Like, Do you feel like they leaned heavier on it in New Fist of Fury? Uh, yes and no. I think dialogue-wise, yes. In the original Fist of Fury... The Japanese characters exist just to wear insulting wigs. Those right. wigs are not just bad budget terror. That's meant to make them look stupid. And I actually think that's more demeaning than in this movie in which uh, there's a couple of Japanese characters that are sort of like goofy stereotypes. But for the most part, they're like actual threatening characters right. who look like normal people. But that that actually in some ways leads to more of a pushback in the language. I I will say it's hard to say because I'm unclear if the word that our English translators are translating as, uh, you know, uh, what has become in the West a racial slur is right. the same thing in Chinese. Yes, like they exactly. might just be saying Japanese people and someone's yeah. going, well, might as well shorten that. Let's just make yeah. that a quick thing. And I don't know if it functions that way or not, or they might be saying a specifically Chinese derogatory term for Japanese people. I don't know, but I will say that both of these movies, but this is a common thing, right? Like that. Absolutely. A lot of martial arts movies of various kinds contain, 
sentiments of anxiety about the other cultures of East Asia. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. And this one is more kind of explicitly revolutionary than the uh, initial one was. Sure, right? I mean, sure. But, you know, the, the Jackie Chan basically gets radicalized in this movie by seeing the Japanese kind of stomp on this school and these people that he likes. And he, it, he basically is compelled to pick up this sign and march through the streets. So, I mean, there, there, there's certainly a sentiment here that, uh, that has a political edge to it, which is interesting when you're watching it, but it is uncomfortable. This film is obviously complicated because of the relationship between Japan and China, just like a lot of these movies are. Sure. To what extent is it also complicated by the relationship between China and Taiwan? Sure. Because this is after Taiwanese independence, and um, it's worth noting that that is an issue that certainly had not resolved itself by 1976 and continues to not be resolved today. You know, that in China, uh, students still learn Taiwanese because, uh, as they're taught, one day we will get Taiwan back. You know, so you must know the language of this place. And so how does that play for Chinese audiences that these people are getting radicalized in Taiwan? Yeah, I think that might be more complicated than we are culturally able to parse. You know, absolutely. That's the extent of my knowledge, y'all. If you're looking for a deep insight about that relationship, that's all I got. I just know that there's a relationship there. I don't know details about it, so I I can't really go into it. But but I do think like it is interesting to think about that relationship. And like you said, it's a much more political film. Like while there while obviously in the original Fist of Fury, you could really read that film as Bruce Lee is powered to omnipotence by his hatred of <laughs> Japanese people. And sure, 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 you could say that. But it's more personal, right? He's mad at these individuals because of the way they've treated him and his teacher. And they poisoned him and all this stuff. So, yes, it's within a larger political context, but it's not about a community. This new Fist of Fury is, though. And I, yes. I don't know how that complicates things more if it makes it more in some ways problematic or less i don't know you know but i I will say that is that's really interesting that your your point about you know really you're right fist of fury is about an individual even though it's an individual who's supposed to represent a school but this is very much about the collective well and notice that the original fist of fury has does not quite acknowledge colonial power so right the japanese school is reliant on these cops in shanghai to help them out and then they can break the rules a little bit, but they, they don't have the army. In this movie, it's really clear, like, they're just part of the colonizing force from Japan. So they can rely yeah. on the army at any time because that's what's really going on here. It's just interesting that Fists of Fury is lacking politics. It manages to somehow still have uh, xenophobia, <laughs> but somehow leave out the politics of a colonizing force in the midst of World War II. In fact, if you weren't knowledgeable of the history, you might not know exactly what the context is. Whereas I feel like the new Fist of Fury, it's a little more obvious what's going on here. So as we're wrapping up here, we're going to talk about kind of the Jackie Chan performance in a second. But I want to ask you a question that you've already touched on a few times, Liam. Why did this movie fail? Like, why did this not launch Jackie Chan into stardom? Why why couldn't he come out of this as being... Like you said, the, the, the final moments are meant to set up, oh, I want to see more of this guy. He's got what it takes to be a martial arts superstar. Why didn't it work? I mean, I wasn't there, Doug. I know I seem old, but I wasn't there. But I will <laughs> well, say, I will say these, these are my suspicions as a viewer now. One, um, Jackie Chan is severely underwritten in this film. We've sort of hinted at it, but Jackie Chan is meant to be the star of this movie, and he is not that present until more than halfway through the film. And though he's given some star moments towards the end, uh, there's just not enough written for him. I don't know if the director didn't trust his acting abilities. Uh, We know that he didn't like Jackie Chan's nose, uh, apparently. So that was the thing. But... uh, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, there is not enough Jackie Chan in this movie for him to actually be the star of the movie. Uh, I think on top of that, while we would argue he isn't really in a Bruce Lee mold, I think there is a lot of Jackie still coming through. Um, It is sort of sold as 
you know, the legacy of Bruce Lee. And I don't think any, there was no one who was pushed into that shadow that then thrived in that shadow as they shouldn't because they would be a lich then. Like clearly no one, you can't push a bunch of people into the open grave of Bruce Lee and think (laughs) that suddenly they're going to explode. It just isn't real, you know? And, And the idea that that could happen is really, though I don't think it was, I don't know that it was always meant this way. I think a lot of the people who tried this really did respect Bruce Lee and really did respect his legacy. They were, though, unfortunately, actually disrespecting it. That the idea that all we need to do is hit these oftentimes superfluous, or not superfluous, superficial uh, details, and then we'll be recreating the magic that was Bruce Lee, shows that you don't understand it. What part of his impact was his originality because the reality is let's go back to 1973 when he his you know the the big breakthrough you could really argue is kung fu movies in america right it wasn't just bruce lee movies other kung fu movies also broke in america what what made bruce lee the single moment as opposed to these other productions uh stars was his uniqueness so like yes the appetite for kung fu films for art martial arts films exploded in america but bruce lee stuck out because he was so original so you don't you don't build off of someone else's originality by copying them it's the the whole reason he was who he was is because of how different he was so like to be him doesn't work in that way well, I mean, now I have a follow-up question on that, which is, so, I mean, I, I'm interpreting from what you just said. What if Jackie Chan's character in this movie was like Bruce Lee in Fist of Fury, in that he's introduced being a complete badass, just destroying everyone, and then, you know, they lean even heavier on anti-Japanese sentiment, and he just demolishes everyone. Maybe they try to cheat a bit, but he just, like, you know, he, there's 30 against one, and he just destroys them every single time. Do you think that could have still launched him into superstardom? No, not at all. Because of the imitation aspect of it, because everyone was trying to do that at the time. I think. Even, I mean, there are, even there with, are some people. I think sorry. even with his original moments here, it's not enough of him. If if this had been a production where he could have fully been himself, I think this would be a much better movie. Oh yeah, I think that is extremely clear. Though I also think that this this movie suffers from the fact that the charisma that Jackie Chan. Uh, we know and love him for that he hadn't yet kind of captured that yet. Yeah, that when he's true. on screen, he seems uncomfortable because, as we saw, he had a miserable time making this movie. He was completely unsure of himself. Lo Wei treated him very badly, at least according to him, um, and dominated him on set. And the fact that the movie is kind of structured not to showcase him probably didn't help his his confidence either. So he said he felt much more comfortable doing the fight choreography than he ever did actually performing in front of the screen, which, considering what his experience had been in the years previous to this, kind of made sense. Uh, So it's really interesting that this movie is this kind of market point where they are not giving up. This movie, it's not like this movie bombed or anything like that. It just wasn't the huge success that they were hoping for, and he would continue to work for Lowe's company for a series of films after that. So I think we've already talked about it, but we want to finish up here. Jackie Chan... Do you see his potential? I mean, we've seen kind of his comic element. He's not showing all the charisma. But when you see him here compared to what we've already seen, do you see more of a potential for a star here? Yeah, I think that's not as much as I thought I would. I thought that would be a little more impressed. However, Mm -hmm. there is something of Jackie Chan here, whereas I think you could argue the three things we've watched up till now and probably the things that we haven't watched but were part of his career, he's not Jackie Chan. You know what I mean? He There's not really any of the flavor that would come to be what people love about him. And and I wonder how much that will be present into the future. I think it's going to take a while for him to develop the style and the charisma, as you put it, that that people fall in love with, you know? It's it's it, it the most interesting part going forward until we hit Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, which I think anyone who knows anything about Jackie Chan, and maybe you don't, but that will be the movie that is basically the birth of the Jackie Chan that we are most familiar with. And that is still a few movies away. But we're now headed in that direction, and it's going to be interesting to see how many hints of that version of Jackie Chan that we're going to see over the next few movies before they finally hit it big. And we'll continue with that story as we go through the future episodes if we do our own stunts. 
Liam, on the next episode, yeah, he's sticking with uh, Lowe's production company with a film called Shaolin Wooden Men from 1976. It's also been released in lots of different titles, including 36 Wooden Men, Shaolin Chamber of Death, uh, which is what it was known initially in the UK, um, and Wooden Man in Germany. This, again, from 1976, but also re-edited for 1980, as a lot of these films were. But we're going to try to talk about the original version, Liam, on the next episode of We Do Our Own Stunts. I can't wait. I I want you to get happy. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to feel excited about this, Liam, because we're here. We're at the martial arts stuff. We're, we're going to be talking about a few movies here that we that we likely are not as familiar with, even even compared to New Fist of Fury. But this is, you know, the train is on the rails. The train is headed to Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. And then it's just a hop, skip, and jump to Drunken Master. And once that makes uh, Jackie Chan an international superstar, the sky's the limit. Then Fantasy Mission Force is just around the corner. Anyway, there's lots of fun stuff coming up, folks, and I hope you stick with us on We Do Our Own Stunts. Liam, if people do want to check out more with uh, We Do Our Mm. Own Stunts or the Mm. Cinema Smorgasbord podcast, Mm. what's the best way for them to do so? Well, they can find all of our latest episodes at cinemasmorgasbord.com. They can also find uh, our podcasts as well as a whole family of podcasts over at cinepunks.com, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X.com. Shows like this one, as well as uh, Horror Business for the horror fans, Tomb of Ideas for people who like horror comic books, uh, The Evil Eye for an exploration of goth and movies, uh, Weird Obscure and Possibly Unsafe is a, a, a dive into cryptids and magic and all kinds of weird mysterious things um they can also find us on social media uh this particular podcast uh tweets uh by that i mean you uh under at cinema smorg s-m-o-r-g uh and then they can also follow cinepunks across all manner of uh social media just look up c-i-n-e-p-u-n-x and you will find us uh we also have a uh group on facebook where we uh, try to encourage conversations about some of the episodes and topics we cover. Uh, and then, you know, if, if for some weird reason they actually want to know about our personal accounts, which mm-hmm. feels invasive, but sure, why not? We're, we're open <laughs> books. They can follow you on Twitter at Doug Tilly. That's Doug underscore Tilly, T-I-L-L-E. Why? Thank you so much, Liam. And you're on there as well, at Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. And you can find those linked on the cinemasmorgasbord.com website as well. Liam, it's so exciting to be joining with you to talk about the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. We're going to be back very soon with Shaolin Wooden Men from the year 1976. Oh my God, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. (laughs) I hope you'll join us to find out. Talk to you soon. Thank you.